0: Hey everybody, this is PD from the spinner rack and we also have
1: Calvin Ellis ready to rock.
0: Today we've decided to talk about. Wait for it. Hmm, this is gonna work. You see that. I can see it. Stanley's documentary they finally did something for for our, you know, our favorite Marvel guy right. So we finally
1: did, decided, hey hey, the chairman emeritus deserves something. Let's give him something.
0: So they did this doc and it gets a little into his history, his family life, and the creation of the Marvel characters. Now this is an hour and twenty six minutes. So in if you've read any books on Stanley, you could go on forever talking about the history, the time, the crash of comic books. To get you into all this, risk. but this is just a light documentary. regretfully this light documentary came under fire from Neil Kirby, saying that there were too many eyes. I, 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 like <laughs> he said, didn't share this. That other. but otherwise, it's a lot of pieced together interviews. So
1: a lot, yeah.
0: So it's like it's in pieces where you're not going to get. Him with like we have documentation by stand in books that were named by stand saying, hey, I plotted this thing, I plot the artists came, they did he said it, no, actually, I don't even know why. He said it a million times. He's like the artists can do it any way they wanted to, that sort of thing. But what um I think Neil Kirby wanted. Well, let's talk about the documentary. What do you think about the documentary so far? Because we're going to get to some of the middle bits about it. What did you think of the documentary? Let's start there.
1: Well, I'm sorry you brought up Neil Kirby, so I'll just speak to it very quickly. <laughs> I think what Neil Kirby wanted was for this thing to be about Kirby. That's pretty much where that's pretty much where it seems to use at. The documentary. I mean, we we did talk about it a little before uh, we started the show, but the documentary I thought was I thought it was Stanley Light, and I was disappointed in that as this is for Marvel. And I honestly believe that, yeah, you know, I mean, we could have done the same documentary. We could have uh, gotten the same—I mean, all the footage that they got there is pretty much public domain that we could have you know, taken, you know, put together and done the same thing. I would have liked something. I would have loved to have seen something longer rather than an hour and a half documentary. Maybe like something that went over, like you know, in parts. Maybe like a three part where we could really get to see some of the stuff he did, not just with the initial days of Marvel. Uh, but you know maybe some of the earlier works that he did with uh, you know a timely Atlas, then come through the, then coming through the Bronze Age and the amount of effort that he put in for the Marvel properties outside of the comics. Uh, one of the things that they didn't address, which I would have loved for them to address, is if you were a kid reading comics in the seventies, eighties, you probably grew up with that banner at the beginning of every comic, and it would say Stanley presents. And I would have loved for them to explain how that got into the comic because that's a pretty cool story as well. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of guys don't know it. And I thought that would be definitely something to bring in, you know, more uh, To to give more scope to what he did, not just as the co-creator with a bunch of stuff, but as a creator and where he doesn't get a lot of credit as an editor.
2: Yes.
0: And that's so the, the thing of it is that the final product that came out of and that's ultimately towards the end with the you know, well not with most of the collaborators, but with Kirby, um that's what he was trying to present. That at the end of the day, when it came to the stories, we worked together and the end product was filtered through him, right? So basically and saying but they were their stories as a group. Now the hard part is is if you have two historians in Roy Thomas and Mark Evaner saying that when well at least when Mark Evaner was on the before Kirby Pass, well right when Kirby Pass said it, is that we should just view this as a collaboration. Because you can look at it the things that Kirby added the things that Stan did towards the end as far as the editing and make can make this more his that sort of thing back and forth, the initial stuff together, in the period where Marvel is really rolling in the mid mid sixties, and you know there's not enough time to even do heavy plotting, just saying, "Make this villain, okay, Kirby's coming with some new characters, just that and the other, but what he wanted is to say that, hey, stand say." what Kirby created and what you created. And ultimately, the historians know, and a lot of his peers know, both Kirby and Stan have bad memories. And this is, uh, their memories have always been bad. So the idea when you hear Kirby talking about the Hulk, is that the Hulk came up from a woman who couldn't, you know, had to save her kid and she lifted up a car and is like, that's the TV show. <laughs> Like, how was he supposed to, how was the TV show entered? Like, that had nothing to do with, with the Hulk being stuck in a bomb and looking like Frankenstein, having J- Jekyll and Hyde and Frankenstein him. So it's like, the two of them have very bad memories. You're not going to get too many details of particular, and everything was, at that point, rolling uh, really fast. But um, Neil Kirby is at the point where, you know, he had some success with getting some things where people Feel that um, the Kirby family won; that they got a, you know, they are got a big settlement from um, Marvel, which we don't know what it is, but they did get compensated in some way. Excuse me, but um, they, you know, like at this point now, it's like you can't talk Stan without saying Kirby created everything, and that's what gets into the problem, which is the, I mean, let's they presented a interview that I listened to I was very surprised by when um this Jack's seven seventieth birthday in nineteen eighty seven and um Stan calls in and it gets a little you know, the little bit of tension. It's not as bad as people take putting it taking nineteen eighty seven and filtering to two thousand and and twenty three. It's a lot it looks like it's a big deal wrestling type of fight. So I'm gonna play some of this
3: Special surprise guest that we have for tonight's program, your uh, colleague or uh, in arms, Stan Lee. Good morning, Stan. Are you? Hi. How you doing? Okay. And... i just.
4: Uh, I want to wish Jack a happy birthday. This is a hell of a coincidence. I'm in New York and I was tuning in the radio and there I hear him talking about Marvel and I think, well, I might as well call and not let this occasion go by without saying many happy returns, Jack.
2: Well, Stanley, I want to thank you for calling and uh, uh, I hope you're in good health and uh, I hope you're staying
4: good health. I'm doing my best and the same to you. You know, you were talking earlier about um, your drawing and people sometimes criticized your figures and so forth. I, uh, I always felt that the most important thing about your drawings, I remember when I was a kid and I first saw Captain America, it wasn't the correctness of the anatomy but it was the emotion that you put in to me nobody could convey emotion and drama the way you could i didn't care if the drawing was all out of whack because that wasn't important you got your point across and nobody could ever draw a hero like you could and i just want to say without getting too saccharine that one of the marks i think of a really true great artist is he has his own style and you certainly had and still have your own style, and it's a style that nobody has even been able to come close to. And I think that's something you can be very proud of, and uh, and I'm proud of you for it. I have to
2: thank you for uh, helping me to keep that style, Stanley, and uh, uh, helping me to... Uh evolve all that and uh uh, i'm i'm certain that uh whatever we did together
4: we uh we got sales for marvel and i i think it was more than that jack we certainly got the sales but whatever we did together and no matter who did what and i guess that's something that'll be argued forever but i think that the product that was produced was really even more than a sum of its parts i think there was some slight magic that came into effect when we worked together and um i I am very happy that we've had that experience well uh i was never sorry for it stanley uh it was a great experience
2: for me and uh certainly uh if the product was good that was my satisfaction and uh I've, i've always felt like that And uh, I I think uh, it's the feeling of every good professional, and uh, uh, it's one of the reasons I respect you is the fact that you know you're certainly a a good professional, and uh, uh, and you're certainly fond of a good product, and I
4: feel that's the. That's the mark of all of us you notice i never interrupt you when you're saying something nice about
3: me <laughs> let, let me uh, say something nice about stan lee uh the uh, editorial uh piston behind the motor of marvel comics and of course stan lee has been active in so many other areas stan what are some of the things that you are proudest of and what are you involved in now
4: well actually i guess i'm proud of just about it i'm I'm the kind of guy i'm proud of everything that has succeeded and i've totally forgotten anything that might have failed uh, right now, I'm uh, New World Pictures has bought Marvel Comics, and they're really a great outfit there. Obviously, they do motion pictures. In fact, they changed their name recently to New World Entertainment. They do television series, video cassettes, and I've gotten involved in all of those aspects of the business as well as their animation studio. So I'm only really peripherally involved in the comics, and I've never been happier because I, I guess I like being busy, and I've never been busier.
3: And out of the uh, Fairness Doctrine, uh, what, Jack, are you currently doing? I'm, I'm probably involved in the same sort of thing. Oh my god, that means that the two of you who uh, indelibly changed the history of comics when you uh, were both in that field, uh, have a shot at changing uh, the, the course of animation, perhaps?
2: Well, uh, I feel that productive people are always really doing something productive. And uh, speaking for myself, uh, I've
3: never stopped. Well, let me now uh, desaccharinize the conversation, and let's get down to uh, both of your assessments of the state of comics today. I mean, uh, enough can never be said about what you have done in the the history of comics. But I'd like uh, for some specific comments It was still good in 87. in regard to the changes that have have taken place in um, comics, such with the new... new, uh, uh, the new approach to Batman, for instance, um, the, um, the the current Spider-Man series, the uh, introduction of ambiguity, conflict, and contradiction in um, issues and ethics today. Uh, what, do you have any views on that? Who do you want first? Uh, you, since you spoke first. Okay. Well, actually, I think that we had plenty
4: of conflict. And uh, when we were starting uh, our early strips, certainly there was conflict in the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and all of them. Um, And we had, I, I think, really Marvel sort of pioneered playing up the characterization more and playing up the personal problems of the heroes, making the heroes more believable because they were more realistic and more human. However, today, what has happened, and it's a natural evolution, today, They've gone many steps beyond what we started doing in those days. I think the stories primarily are much more complex. They're more adult. They tackle subjects that we couldn't dream of tackling in the in the early days. And um, I I think we were it's strange when Marvel started. Our stories were very much like the motion pictures of those days today the comics especially i think marvel comics are very much like the motion pictures of today well the motion pictures of today are so much different than they were then and the same change the same involvement has really taken place in comic books well hey, i i think stanley is uh, correct on that and um,
2: um, of course the standards have changed and uh the standards have changed in all all the fields um, um, and uh, i'll agree with uh i'll, I'll agree with uh, what stanley uh says of uh all the facets of entertainment because uh, he understands it and uh he understands it as well as i do uh whatever is evolving uh i couldn't put my finger on it but it's certainly different from uh the black and white uh Type of thing that we we did, and uh, what you refer to as a
3: golden age. Are there things that you look at uh, with interest these days?
4: Oh sure. Now there's a DC series called The Watchmen, which I think was absolutely superb. There's the work that John Byrne has been doing, the work that Frank Miller has been
1: doing. All right. Can you take a pause
4: here? There are yeah. so many new artists coming up that are
1: they're very sophisticated.
0: Sorry. Yeah. There you go. What's up?
1: Oh, no, a couple of things, you know, uh, I think the questioning later, I think the questioning later on uh, will be, we'll get to like the uh, the hot button topics that everybody loves to, uh, everybody loves to siphon from this, but uh, one, again, I don't think a lot of people would have got the fact that Stan Lee was reading Watchmen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Stanley's reading Watchmen, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, yeah, this is Dynamite. This right over here. This is pretty good stuff. The fact that Stan and Mike, what is he talking He's talking about a DC book. Okay, he's talking about a DC book. He's still, he's still very much attached. This is 80, what? 70? So yeah, he's still um, very much attached. He's still very much attached to Marvel. Yeah, he's still very much attached to Marvel at the end of the day, but he's checking this stuff out like, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, I can see where this is going at the end of the day. And no, sh- again, no shots fired, no on either the part. I- I'm always surprised when I hear Jack Kirby speak because anytime I see his written stuff, I always think he's like a little bit more uh, has like more grouchy tone, like the Thing, Ben Grimm. And you know, they're mm-hmm. pretty much both soft-spoken guys at the end of the day. But no shot, you know, no shots fired over any other stuff until, <laughs> until until the questions are actually actually leave them there at yeah. the end of the day. But, you know, I mean, that's just a watershed moment that, you know, it's 87. And if you would ask the, uh, Lee, hey, you know, what are you reading? I'm reading this book, Watchmen. Have you heard about it? <laughs> it's just wild, wild.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hold on, let's see if we can jump the to Literacy,
4: it. if not for comics, I don't, and after a while when they get.
3: I should say title association.
4: Oh, and it was, it was revolutionary. It... Uh, the
2: people today, it would be. Uh
3: in uh, facilitating the importation of drugs for money for all
5: fabulous flo steinberg who was too shy to be in the studio today history ever produced a good story without having that type of material dialogue or stands but you oh, just
4: say this every word of oh, dialogue we
5: go here dialogue we go. or stands but you uh, you know, who exactly did what, although it would be interesting to know whether or not Galactus's exit speech and FF number fifty was an example of Jack's dialogue or stands But you Okay, know- so you heard the question. The question
0: was who came up with the dialogue for Galactus? Right? So he's not out of bounds. He's not out of bounds in answering this question if he wrote the dialogue but it's been presented as an attack on Kirby. The person asks, like I'm asking you, who wrote that? You, <laughs> is it you or Mario? Which one? Do you say? If you say you wrote it, does that mean that you're insulting Mario? It means he didn't No,
1: because, because I wrote it.
0: So here we go. Let's see, let's, let's make sure.
1: Say this, every word of dialogue uh you
5: know who exactly did what although it would be interesting to know whether or not Galactus's exit speech and ff number 50 was an example of Jack's dialogue or Stan's
4: but you just say this every word of dialogue in those scripts was mine
5: <laughs> I don't every want to, story. St- and I don't want to get into controversy about that. What I want to uh, stress to you and to anyone who would be hearing this is that you two gents together, when you said the whole equals more than the sum of its parts, it is very true. I think that that was the success behind the Beatles. By uh, un- you, you, you you can't, can't throw
1: that gauntlet down to and take it back. To be. <laughs> yes. I, that
5: I wrote a few lines myself above every. Uh, here we go. I've seen those. They weren't printed in the book. All right, look, both of you. Hey, kids. Both <gasps> of you guys.
4: Jack isn't wrong by his own lights because Jack, answer me truth. I wasn't allowed to write. Did you ever read one of the stories after it was finished? I don't think you did. I don't think you ever read one of my stories. I think you were always busy drawing the next one. You never read the book when it was finished. Dialogs, darling.
5: Huh? Let me get in there with it. Listen in my own dialogue.
2: <laughs> and uh, that I think that's the way people are. So uh, whatever was written in them was uh, Well, it's a, well it, it, you know uh it was the
4: action i was interested in i know and i really think and look jack nobody has more respect for you than i do and you know that but i don't think you ever felt that the dialogue was that important and i think you felt well it doesn't matter anybody can put the dialogue in it's what i'm trying to say you're right i don't agree with it but maybe you're right no i
2: i'm i'm only trying to say is that i you know, I uh, I think that I did the whole thing uh, human being is very important. If one man is, is writing and drawing and, and uh, doing a strip uh it, it should come from an individual i believe
5: that you should have the opportunity uh to do the entire thing yourself gentlemen what we're seeing here is mean, is part, part of the inner dynamics from the, the the bit of conflict from which obviously you complemented one another held one another in check and a great product emerged. i said, he no, he started that nonsense uh, and now he's trying to qu- squash you, but it readers of today that the success of marvel and that the, the success of bill Everett's submariner and the success of almost anything that was really great had to do with the attention to science to characterization to detail to verisimilitude to keeping a greater attention to, 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 to the characters than you know cut and cut, cut. And, you know signing
0: i'm trying to wrangle the show back the show good no, he, but he,
1: start, he started it he started it. Yeah. He was not clever enough of an interviewer to keep it general. Okay. But there is no way on God's green earth you've got Stanley, Jack Kirby there on an interview. And then you say something like, Yeah, I would love to know who wrote this <laughs> when Stanley's the writer. Okay. And he's sitting there like, Well, I could probably just let this go, but I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote all of that. And then, of course, Jack was like, well, oh yeah, I put a little dialogue in there, too. And Stan's like, come on, Jack. You never read the books when they were finished. You never read them? You didn't think the dialogue mattered? Like, well, and he's like, well, no, no, Bill Everett in the Submariner. Bill Everett's not on the show. Yeah. Okay, Bill Everett's not on the show, and it's pretty clear who created the Submariner. There's no question as to that when it comes to Bill Everett and the Submariner. This stuff over here Okay, the greatest, with the exception of one, the greatest comic book superhero collaboration of all time. Hey, they, you know, Come on, they're not going to answer. That'd be like, you know, I would love to know if, you know, the Silver Surfer design was like just one person's idea or collaboration. You think Jack Kirby is going to just let, let a question like that go? Come on come on you're not being realistic at the end of the day and then to come on oh, let's try to wrangle it back oh no some Stan already showed you the blueprint for how this interview needed to go keep it here and we're good but the second you start getting into hey who did what and what credit oh it's a good thing well it's a good thing Steve Ditko never did interviews <laughs> well the, that,
0: the hard part is when I first heard it you know because I had read which I'm just going to click on it quickly the Comics Journal in '85 did an interview with Jack, and he talks about coming up with the Fantastic Four. So this is the thing that um you know, okay, this is for any creator, right? Outside of you know like points where you have uh, what's the name saying you know there's an interview with um, Claremont and Burnwood and not together, and they're talking about the X Men, and he says um, they say. Who, who put the Wolverine hunting in the what's the name? And Burns like, well, that was Chris's. And he's like, and who did the who gave Wolverine the name of of um, uh, Logan? He said, well, and I said, well, that's Burns. Both outside of that, most of the time it's like how you see here. What come ask him a question? Can you explain how he came that oh, hey, how that came about? And he says, I had something okay. had to do something different i everybody says i so the thing of it is i'm not i don't have any problem i am a big huge fan i've bought a ton of kirby stuff but this interview not because of the eyes because there's no get out if stan has if you have issue with stan taking too much credit then you should have issue with this but this came out and i felt that at the same time but i wasn't in listening to it now you could hear the guy asking the question what else is stan going to say like he can't not say that. Well, we kind of worked out the dialogue alone, like <laughs> together. And he's like, no, I was sitting in there and I'd get the book and I would dialogue it. And that's not, the thing of it is, that's not even getting into plotting and people are functionally illiterate where they're like, wait a second, he said he wrote all the dialogue. That means he wrote everything. Stan, you know on, stand speak that. No, no, it means
1: he no. asked him about the dialogue. That means the word bubbles, the captions. That's what he was doing. Kirby handled, you know, Kirby was handling the art. Anything, and the, uh, I'm gonna—I don't even want to go down that road. But you know, the, the finished product is what it is. And then again, and the, the other thing is that Stan was the editor, and we already know that you know it's on record that if Stan didn't like what somebody wrote, he was going to change it anyway. Okay, word so Kirby could write what Kirby could write whatever he wanted. Okay, Kirby was well. regardless of whatever he may have put on the page, if Stan didn't like it, it wasn't going to see print. That's not where his energy was going to be focused on. Oh no, I I I cannot imagine that Kirby was coming back and saying, "Hey, that line over here with Sue Storm is saying this type of stuff." You know, I don't think she would really say that. No, that's not where that's not where his energies were at at the end of the day. And we keep forgetting that Stan was the editor. Okay, Larry Lieber turned in some stories. Larry Lieber was his brother. He's like, I don't like the way this guy writes. <laughs> I don't. I'm not using this stuff, this stuff over here. And the same with the and the same with the um uh, with anyone else up to the point. where well, we already know the stuff with Roy Thomas, where he was still editing it, and they were like, Look, you know, we can't get this stuff out. You know, we need you to take a step back. But that's the same situation that you would have right here. So the idea that okay, I was over here doing no, you're not writing this. It, it, it's it's just disingenuous. Okay, you may put this stuff on. Stan was going to write it because he uh, this is the guy who was a kid in the shop who was sweeping up the place, doing the editing, writing the stories. He probably had full faith and confidence in his own abilities to do this stuff over anybody else's. He was not going to have to live from anybody else. And more than likely, he didn't think anybody else was really that good at it. Oh, yeah. one other thing to throw in is what you've always noted, is that the dialogue, the, the, the style of writing and the style of speaking is Stan Lee's way of dialogue. This was not somebody else's style of dialogue. It didn't resemble the speech patterns, the nuances of any other of dialogue that we would have seen, say, at DC Comics or at the other or at the other comic, uh, places. This was something that is, you know, that's Stan Lee's. At the end of the day, so some, if somebody did do something, they might have been trying to emulate his style, okay? But it wouldn't have been, it, you know, it would have been really, it would have been really clear if somebody else, if it was somebody else doing the writing. Well, even the dialogue
0: if you go to this, this is the hard part right so it's like I rem- like to have Ross saying, I remember jack would call him up. and say it was going to be going to be this kind of story and that sort of thing and he says Kirby says remember this Stanley was an editor. He worked from nine to five doing business with Martin Goodman, in other words, he didn't write anything in the office he did Martin Goodman's business that was his function right so it's like saying. You know, like saying that's what his job is. He's saying he's not right. You know, he's not the writer, so that's the hard part here.
1: Calling him a fraud.
0: Yeah, so you have it here, and that's the thing. This is and this is what people. What's the name saying? No, Stanley didn't know what a mutation was. There's a ton of Marvel books that deal with mutation. Everyone's reading the same pulp articles, and that they're both well read, so they're both reading the same sort of stuff. Right, so the fact that Stan has mutant stories or Marvel, he bought movie mutant stories. So the stories that don't have his name on it, which probably from other writers, he would have read those stories, and it all comes from sort of the same place. So the hard part is, is that when we go to this other thing here, you know, um, one of the issues that you know that um, you know, Jack's son, Jack's grandson is saying that. You know, he comes in and says, "I, I, I," you know, and not talking about him coming in with the idea. And it's just like they, every interview is the same. Stan has a bunch of eyes. Kirby has a bunch of eyes. It's just across the board. But the difference is, is that Kirby, Stan also said, "We were both the writers on this thing, right?" He said, "Sometimes I tell him who the next villain is, and he does the story. Sometimes he brings the story in." And it's like, and that's also a portion of damage control because he was, you know, Stan was upset at how Kirby felt about the Herald Tribune article. So Kirby was upset. Roz called him up complaining, and then he didn't promote that article. The writer called up and said, "Hey, Stan, you promote everything. Why aren't you promoting this article?" It's like, "I can't. <laughs> Kirby's upset." It's like, "Why?" He's like, "I don't know, but he's upset." So. I can't I can't promote it. and then when you Kirby's gone and they do think for Rolling Stone, but a, a Marvel insider, I think her name was Robin Green. She took over Flo's um, job after she left Marvel. She worked at the Rolling Stone, so Marvel was like, all right, we know we can trust her to not turn us into a fiasco where anyone would be upset. And in the article, Kirby had just left, and Stan was remorseful. He wasn't like I did it all. He was like, you know, like I lost my right hand. My my right hand man is gone. Like he's he's upset, and that's you can see in the articles and that sort of thing. So when people look at it, and they look like they had a fight over creation. Yes, Kirby had some point where he felt he had created. He didn't co-create. He felt he created all this stuff and deserved more. He felt he more needed more from the company. At the same time, where you know Kirby was struggling with Martin Goodman, because they'd say that might be why he changed his style. But at the same time, he Stan was working. He was, they were saying he's doing as much as he could. But at the same time, you know, he's also in in business. And Roy Thomas kind of puts it <laughs> in a different way, where he kind of says that you know it's kind of tough when you have you know like it's you're the boss, but at the same time you know you're it kind of it, it kind of looks like he's Doing something, but it's not actually what's happening because they don't, he's not in the office all the time. So it's not like Stan is just giving it to Kirby every day, but you know, it can be that things over time for Kirby just became more problematic. These, you know, like different editorial things where he's just like, Oh uh, come on. And then at some point, they stop going to Kirby for stuff. They just do it in the office. All right, we already got people cleaning up the artwork. So I'll just have Romita change this panel and that sort of thing. But when You look at it, Stan is trying to keep things together. He's saying positive things about Kirby as a collaborator. Towards the end, he's allowing Kirby to write The Inhumans, he's writing in something like that. But at the same time, he breaks out you know, he goes above Stan's head to get a contract, and the contract they sent back was way lower than what he was already getting from Marvel. So he's just like, What? And he, that's when he makes his, his jump, but it's like that's not through Stan, that's through thinking, all right, well, I'm not letting Stan kid hold me back, and they don't really know who's in the business, they only know Stan, that's how, you know, so it's a hard thing, and the, the representation of it is that this happened, not this article, but um that he left and they weren't, they kept, even though there was the funky flashman, they talked again, they smoothed it out. He came back to Marvel. He finished out. He left. you know, his contract was still up, still going on. He did the cartoon for Marvel. They allowed that work to go to his his, his, his comic contract. He was talking with Stan. We got the Silver Surfer graphic novel, which I point out that's from people say oh, they weren't. It's on it's on a I think back issue. They said oh they weren't talking, but they got this done. I said, no, they were talking, and that's how it came together. <laughs> So, and then next, you know, Marvel had another contract for Kirby, they were going to bring him in in 81 to come back, but at the same time he felt with rightfully so that they were hoarding all the stuff from the 60s all the old artwork, and they were making a distinction on just that artwork saying, you know, hey, this is uh," because they didn't want to give up any of that stuff. So that was that became a thing thing contention and rightfully so Kirby said no, he declined and he moved on, but as this you can see it blowing up I don't know if there's anything else in this article, I thought they smoothed it out at this point, but what i'm remember might be the beginning part where they had all the niceties and then it goes left after I didn't remember that he asked the question that led to the. The
5: graphs conventions and that that pretense trying to make the thing seem as real as possible having characters grow having characters die having Reed and sue get married and have a child who by the way should be adult by now and dating one of the ex-women would not only is not only showing the attention to the detail of the characters but is an insurance that readers will not outgrow the comics and will stay with them because it is not an immutable fact of life no, that you outgrow comics of 13.
4: you know when you mention when you mention an ego problem the funny thing is i'm afraid those problems are only cropping up now i think when jack and i did the strips and there was no ego problem we were just doing the best we could
1: at the time
3: well ego is the fuel of creativity and uh i'm very proud yeah
1: see you'll be making trouble
3: jack kirby and Stan Lee live on Earthwatch on WBAI in New York. My name is Robert Knight, joined by Warren Reese and Max Schmid. And as we close this program, I would like each of you to make a concluding statement. And uh, first you, Stan, and then you, Jack, because it's your birthday.
4: Okay. well, since it is Jack's birthday, I want to make I wish I had had time to prepare something. I didn't. But I just want to say that Jack has, I think, made a tremendous mark on american culture if not on world culture and i think he should be incredibly proud and pleased with himself and uh, i want to wish him all the best him and his wife Roz, and his family and i hope that 10 years from now i'll be in some town somewhere listening to a tribute to his 80th birthday and i hope i'll have an opportunity to call at that time and wish him well then too jack i love you well the same here stan but uh
2: uh yeah, thank you very much. But uh Warren, are you there? We're all Yes here. I am Jack and Yeah. Listen, uh, uh you can understand now uh, how things really work and of course i uh, i want to thank you for uh inviting me on your show and
5: uh i could thank robert and max for that
2: thank you everybody for uh, uh for their courtesy and uh it was it was very pleasant to talk to you well, well i
5: i
3: must uh, inject this one point of disagreement with you jack kirby and that is it
0: is we who have you to thank you and stan amen for that so there we go we did it we the way they presented it was um you know it's going to be a tough thing because regretfully the hard part of it is the dialogue the writing part is the thing of contention for Kirby obviously so
1: well i think and let me say this first because uh, I really don't want to come across like a Stanley apologist at the end of the day, but that's just where this. I mean, if it was like 20, 30 years ago, I'd probably be over here, like, no, look at all this stuff Jack did here, and so on and so forth. But the amount of the amount of work that Jack Kirby produced in one year for Marvel, I have never heard of another artist able to have that sort of output. And this is this is a man who was still uh, creating and doing comics. Up until the point where he just, you know, couldn't do them anymore, if I recall, if I recall correctly. But you know, there's and there's a bunch of stuff nobody even heard about in the uh, the '80s, and he was still working. You know, almost like sequ- new God sequels type of stuff. At the end of the day, and the name of the books escaped me, but you know, he was. I mean, all over the place in terms of the art, in terms of the books, and without a doubt, you know, Marvel is. You know, Marvel is the house. You know, the Jack Kirby, without you know, had a hand in building. Nobody can question his output, nobody can question his contribution, and nobody can question the influence of his art style, which a lot of people took for granted <laughs> until Jack, Jack Kirby became the, uh, the cause celeb where they were uh, you know, rushing to the best field to go liberate. The only time it, it, they really seemed to go after the whole thing. So there shouldn't be any question as to you know the credit that Jack Kirby should re- receive, but the credit for the stuff that he actually did. And a lot of times when I listen to this, I mean, even at the end where, you know, Stan says what he does and you can, at least when I'm listening, Jack Kirby, you can, it just feels like, look, he's still wrestling with some stuff. I don't wanna say bitter, but still wrestling with some stuff at the end of the day where he can't even express himself, at least not on, on the air. And I don't know if they met for the last time after uh, this this particular particular this particular, inter- this particular interview. But, you know, accepting the contributions and accepting the credit for those particular contributions. And I just think at this point, you know, I don't think he was quite there, but he's approaching that zero-sum game where, you know, I had a hand in everything, Spider-Man, that type of stuff, which I don't think is really befitting the, you know, the legacy that he created for himself. That, you know, is the hard thing. That's the hard thing always for me to hear or to read about in terms of that particular dynamic. And you know, people can lay a whole bunch of stuff at Stanley's feet. He didn't credit people as he should have, so on and so forth. And and again, that's hard for me to accept because he he was coming out of uh, he's coming out of a business where people didn't get credited at all. Yes. And then you know the credits, you know, and then the credits, you know, he starts the credits at the end of the day. And then it becomes, oh well you didn't credit them right. Well how did I not credit them right? These guys don't usually get credited at all. You know, I'm, you know, crediting the people and the people complaining about this. Okay, I changed the credits to give more credit. I, you know, I needed to go back in time and credit people to the justification and satisfaction of people in the eighties and nineties. You know, it just, it just wasn't there. It's like, uh, what, is it, what is it? Twilight Zone 64 is the first artwork in a comic book by Frank Miller. I looked through that comic book to try to find out which story it did. You can't even tell because it's not credited. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not credited at the end of the day. So that type tri- of stuff I try to keep in mind. You know, there's a bunch of stuff you can lay at the feet of both of them. But, you know, the, the whole idea, and it, it's a totally Marxist viewpoint that, you know, there's the oppressor and the oppressed, and Stan, because he, uh, Stan because he made good as the oppressor, and Jack Kirby is the oppressor. so we got to side with him at the end of the day. And, you know, Jack is saying some stuff that, I mean, I think, for me, the best part of the interview, and I thought he was just playfully chiding him at the end of the day. It's like, you know, come on, Jack, you didn't read the stuff when it was done. Okay, you didn't read the stuff he was done. You were focused on the art and that, you know, the artist, that's cool, but you weren't really reading the stuff he was. Done. If not, then we could have definitely had those conversations. If you would have definitely heard about the conversations like, "Yeah, I put dialogue in here." Stan took it out. <laughs> you know? And we never got to we never got to that point. So, you know, it's a tough it's a tough one for me at the end of the day, but that's just the place that is def- that's just the place he was in um uh, at, at this time. And This is 87. When is uh what is it? Jack I forget when Jack Kirby passed away, but 90, you know, it was in '92. Oh man, you know, so it's you know, 92 Was it
0: '94? It might be 94. I
1: know it's '90-something because he was still did a cover. I don't know, that might have been pos- post '94.
0: Be so, so, image happens. We have that. He did some
1: work with Eric Larson on a cover that was, uh, yeah, but I keep forgetting that was posthumously uh, published because Jack Kirby had passed away by that time.
0: <laughs> yeah, '94, February. Six nineteen ninety four and the, uh, incorrect i said grandson I think is Neil Kirby is his son so that's, uh, ultimately in going along with what you were saying the you know the hard part is fighting over something that you know is something that shouldn't for these radio guys you know they are you know why would they even go to the Dialogue, like that, means that hey, the thing that people, the hook of the thing is what people saying. That angle, the put por- the portion of what was Stan was doing, was a big part of the the Marvel Mystique. The art was definitely there, you know, the action, how it was. But being an editor and kind of taking, even it's like counting on your artist to do more than you would with a full script actually freed them to be you know be the director to basically take your you know even if it's a springboard if it's a full plot or a springboard just take it and just say here's how i'm gonna display it in a more action-packed way because the artist can think more visually than a writer can so it's like you have something that really opened up and was the kind of hook for marvel that you had these Artists who are free to kind of do, you know, f- figure out the angles, make it a little more dynamic. They, once people got up to speed, they would, they would do that stuff. So that's a, a important part, even if it's saying. And at the same time, if you could ask for it, like um, you know, Steve Ditko did, like uh, starenko did, um, you would get the plotting credit. You know, that's something that you would get. I don't know, it probably revolutionary to kind of put it into there, but. You know that's what was in there, and then I think they say after Ditko left, they didn't want the same thing with Kirby, so they went and said, "How you want the the the, the titles to read?" And he's like, "Oh, can you make it a Stan and Jack production?" And that's what it is, or Stan and Jack classic, and that's what it was. And then the hard part is, 78, this book comes out, and the credits of how they wanted to what Kirby wanted to read is to say. Stan and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, right? That's how he wanted it to read. It's not written to say I plotted it. It's just they are both the creators on it. And of course, with people, you know, at times say, "Hey, didn't you do a lot more in this? It's like, again, yeah, you know what? <laughs> and that sort of thing. So ultimately, it's kind of sad to just going left that Neil Kirby is kind of going out there made an official statement. And saying, talking about the Fantastic Floor and saying, "Hey, we've he always going to the Challengers, and now they decided that um, uh, Kirby's father was named Benjamin, and um, his sister, the kid Sue, was named after his older sister Susan. So the names came from Kirby, and the characters, and the the dynamic came from the Challengers. When the
1: Challengers, yeah, that that's such a waste of time. It, it it's almost like a vendetta." At the you know, at that point, it, 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 again, it's such a, Ben, Susan, these are pretty common names at the end of the day.
0: Yes.
1: Okay, um, and then yeah. it, it would also beg the question, well did Stan know these people? <laughs> Could he have created the names because he knew them and was thinking, oh, Ben's a cool name, Susan's a cool, it's a ridiculous, it's just a ridiculous position to, it's a ridiculous position to stand on and try to, uh, is- and try to make any headway from.
0: Where does Reed come from? Like it's like, what are we talking about here? And the hard part is is that we we know that um I don't know it's like give him,
1: hmm? give him time I'll come up with something.
0: <laughs> so you know the the thing of it is, and with the challengers, as much as I like the challengers, when I finally had a multiple of the stories to read, it didn't really outside of them being four people didn't read to me like the Fantastic Four, because in the initial, fans like the Challengers are in regular clothes, and they get into the accident, and then they're in their, their gym suits, their outfits, right? And then the FF, they're not in, they're in regular clothes. They're in space outfits, and then they're in regular clothes. They only get outfits because, um, you know, Martin Goodman said they need outfits, or some letter person wrote in and said, these guys need costumes, and they almost had a mask. But then they realized, oh, we don't need to have them have masks, so they took the masks off. Because Kirby threw with a, Sue with a mask on, and Reed had a mask, and those get whited out, and they just have the functional like the the uniforms. Everyone has a similar uniform. So saying that oh, because the challengers had uniforms, they have uniforms. It's just like we're asking a lot. We don't. But the the heart of the challengers, the heart of FF is the dynamic of the arguing. The two of them got into arguing, and it got this characterization. It's something that you didn't see in Kirby's work before this. You don't see in um, in Justice League. The Justice League, they're just all you know, men of action, which is not a bad thing. That's what the movies were, you know. But we got into what was, I guess, in the Lost Horizon, which had these different personalities in the novel, and then when you get to here. He's playing it out where he's having the different personalities go at each other, and that's why people look at the story. They find, you know, Reed saying something tough to Sue, and they're like, "What a jerk!" But the book was about conflict, so that's basically what you would do in this sort of thing. But ultimately, Kirby is a part of one of the most creative periods in comics, and Marvel, and Fantastic Four, and Thor, especially the period where Marvel's rolling, so there's a lot of things that you can look at and say, this is a big portion of Kirby, even though something like the Black Panther was heavily edited, you can see the panel, so it's, there's a lot of background. Oh, you mean, mm-hmm.
1: you, you mean the cold tiger?
0: Yeah, so that's the thing. You have something where you see it, you don't see that sort of rejected pages as far as the rest of the stuff, but you see when it came to saying something that needed to be you know, fixed or worked over, a lot of stuff is chucked to getting what we had there. And once they figure that out, they're rolling. So we got so many things, so many things where you find out, oh, well, Jack had an issue with this and that. But the thing of it is the magic that was going on, people want the creation. And this is a light documentary. It shouldn't have been to go back what we started on. It shouldn't have been that big a deal. But then it's saying, we now need to have cut out all interviews where Stan Lee said, I came with idea and then I called Jack and Jack drew it however he wanted to. <laughs> How could he say that he called up Jack? My father said he came to stand. There was the stuff was out of business. And I came with Iron Man and Thor and Fantastic Four and I did this I, I everybody thing, says I, sorry, you go.
1: The other, thing that no, the other thing I've always pointed out is that everybody loves to contend over this, like it's really the first three, four years of Marvel and the rest of the stuff, you know, because you got other guys in there, nobody really wants to uh, have too much discussion. But those early days, that first three, four year period, when you're up until the part, like who's the last guy to come out? Like uh, Dr. Strange, that sort of stuff. Everybody, that's the right stuff for arguing. And nobody ever was like, wait a minute, this was a lot of people like, hey, the Marvel stuff and everything of that nature. But then they totally, and I've said this before, they totally ignore all the fourth world stuff that Jack did with DC. They ignore the eternal stuff when he came back to Marvel and the other things that he did when he came back to Marvel, in addition to the other stuff he did with DC as well, and the stuff that he did on his own. So it becomes like, it's just this. And then I wonder, well, that wasn't all he did. And to be quite honest, some of the stuff that he created after that, I find to be much more creative than what he was doing at this point. And he got the opportunity to do it on this. I mean, the fourth world dynamic is pretty involved. It was well ahead of its time. Nobody wants to discuss that or talk about it, at least not until a movie. And then all of a sudden, you know, we won't hear anybody say anything any longer. The Eternals, well, they had a movie. That didn't quite work out the way anybody would anybody who was uh, rooting for it would have come. But there was a whole bunch of stuff that Kirby did, which is a testament to his creativity. Some of the stuff I would say is more creative than what he was doing there uh, at Marvel at, at the time on his own. Nobody wants to discuss that. It's just this. It's just this. You know, it's like the it's like the guys who love Prince, but they only really love the Purple Rain album. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Well, That's it. None, none of the other stuff really matters. It's just that.
0: If this, this other bit, let me. I guess I should bring this back up. So to end it on here, regretfully, and uh, you know, this means no disrespect to you know um, Neil Kirby, but. He talks about though the conflict between Lee and my father concerning creator credit is glanced over with little mention. There's more attention paid to the strike between uh, Lee and, Stan- it's- and Steve Ditko. Lee's voice compl- proclaiming, it was my idea, therefore I created the character. And then they talk about um, Steve Ditko's rebuttal. But the p- difference is, is that there was outside of Stan Lee saying that. They fought over the Green Goblin. There had been no talk about, and Stan had been talking about creating Spider-Man for years. There was no talk about from Ditko saying who created what, until this interview from the Comics Journal came out. And he said, here, in this article somewhere in here, he talks about, we came up with, I came up with Spider-Man and we gave it to Steve Ditko because I didn't have time to do it, but I designed him and I gave him the cover, right? It says it here, I created Spider-Man, we decided to give it to Steve Ditko. I drew the first Spider-Man cover, created the character, created the costume, created all those books, I couldn't do them all, right? So we decided to give the book to Steve Ditko and that led him to say something back, just not saying I created, saying, here's the dynamic of how it was created, right? Stan said, I was inking. And then he told me the idea and I said, I'd like to fly. And then he went away and he said, all right, now you're drawing it. And then that's how we got it. They said they chucked a lot of the ideas. They got rid of the the magic ring and all that other stuff. And then they came up with the Spider-Man that they they did. Even if people like to point out, well, that was an earlier Rawhide story that seems similar to type of deal. And it's just like, look, all right. (laughs) In that period, well, at the same time, did not even get into that. Ditko, at some point, him and Stan started talking, right? So the only reason why we know this is because um, the, that English guy did the documentary of um, searching for Steve Ditko, right? So when he talked to Stan, that's when Stan said, "Hey, I think the guy who dreamed it up is the creator," right? When pushed back and said, You're saying co-creator, why can't you say why can't you just say why are you saying considering? And he, you know, Stan stood on it and said what he felt, and then that has gone viral. That's the only reason why there's a big thing, but it wasn't a big thing after that. Steve Ditko said he didn't think, you know, consider means a ponder. It's like you just it's not it's saying that it is. And it was nothing after that. He didn't go after him again. The thing went viral. And and Steve Ditko did some other articles. He already said what he had to say. He wasn't the type of guy that was going to keep. <laughs> he said his complaint. He pointed out the articles that he disagreed with, and he wrote to the people. And that was it. He said what he had to say, and he moved on. People turned it into this a, this a back and forth. Now with Ditko, he had it took him till what eighty? I think in ninety he wrote the thing with Spider Man when he saw the article from Kirby. And then uh, he saw a couple articles in the comic marketplace, and he wrote back to those things about when they weren't talking. And he t- Stan said um, he cre- you know he worked he thought that the lift in the building was only gonna take a couple panels, and he said, well, at that point we weren't really talking, so you know I you know it basically came in, so we never had to talk about that. So he just corrected him on those sort of things and a couple other things, but it wasn't like it was this big thing. The only reason why it was it was uh, the documentary, so. The thing the estimation that uh, Neil's talking about, why it's talked about because there's a movie, and why we're talking about Stan and Jack is because Stan is in a ton of movies. And regretfully, Kirby's gone, but when Kirby was alive, he was on the Hulk TV show. So if they both were alive, they would have been like the end of the the wedding in the Fantastic Four. The two of them would be going to these movie things together. They would be putting jacket in there. They probably would have been because they're from you know they're not in the same in age, but at the same time they've gone through the same period, and they probably would have got a big laugh if they were both alive to see these movies being made. But it didn't happen, so it's a sad thing, and that's I think a lot of other people have said that before me. I think Roy Thomas and Tom McFarlane that you know like Stan just outlived everybody. So you know this is where we get we get this from, but. Ultimately, that's the only reason why it became bigger because there's a movie that came out, and it, see, every time there's a movie, things get blown up. You <laughs> don't find people don't know about the Superman creators until the Superman movie comes out in '78, and then we know who they are, and that gets figured out. So is how it happens. But you can't just say we got to change history and just say none of Stan stuff. He can't say nothing. He can't say he's a creator. He can't say he's wrote. He can't say he wrote the dialogue. Or else it's him attacking Kirby. It's not. Let's not fight over this. They they've gone too far. You know they're saying people are saying that they won. I'm I'm, I'm going on too long. Any last words from
1: you, Cal? Let's no, see. I thought. Well, no, I, thought that, that, I mean that's that's fair. It and we we have this poor practice of applying a modern day principle, you know, to to a past situation. The, the The bottom line, if you were working at DC Comics under Mort Wessinger and Mort Wessinger gave you an idea and you decided, and you crafted that idea into something so on and so forth, Mort Wessinger didn't own the idea and you didn't own what you crafted. That all belonged to DC and they knew it. They understood that their job was to to come over here, create characters, create these ideas to sell books. And they were salaried people, okay, or they had already signed whatever contracts they had and they were work for hire they were not they did not own these characters they didn't own them okay they but they still were responsible you know and for rendering them creating them so on and so forth totally different time period in 1950 than 1980 and going you know going on so on and so forth so the idea of oh well this like no if you're following along with the practices of the time Okay, you know nobody can fault nobody can fault you for that. I mean, I'm, if you're following along with what's the established practice, the work practice of the time that we're looking at in terms of comics. What's more, you, you know the whole idea of giving credit is something that Stanley doesn't really get any credit for at the end of the day. But you know that's something where he changes the practice, brings these guys in. Okay, you know first person to call you know Jack you know Jack Kirby the, you know the king. That's something that's not that's something that's not addressed. And then we come forward and it becomes the same thing. Oh, what's the biggest fault of Stan? He outlived everybody. Okay, Th- that's the big thing. You know, he came over here, you know, you know, man, if only if only. So, you know, now we're like really going into moral, uh, more morally nebulous territory in terms of we want to address that. But a lot of the stuff is pretty clear. It's pretty clear cut. Uh, uh, I thought that guy put his foot in the mouth with the interview, or else we might have had a totally different interview. Yes. It is, you know, it is what it is. At the end, I would love to know this stuff. You can't do that with these two guys who did all of this stuff, you know, under one set of circumstances, and then these characters go run and go take off at the end of the day. One guy's in one place, the other guy's in another place, and wonder, hmm, I wonder who created what, like, and think that you really want to discuss that can of worms at the end of the day? And as somebody who's already, you know, I've already been in situations where you do stuff with people, you know, played music with people, you know, who owns what. You know, like no, you know, if everybody's working on it, everybody's working on it. The only time it becomes an issue is when it takes off. Then it becomes, well, wait, wait a second. I believe I'm the person who said we should start with the bass line as opposed to the guitar solo. It's mine. You know, that stuff happens all that stuff happens all the time. But there's does, enough documented evidence. There's enough it, documented evidence from Stanley himself that this should no longer be a discussion.
0: Does it happen, I don't know that people actually do people fight over who created what. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know don't think I've ever, I don't think i've ever experienced that. <laughs> but uh, i'm thinking the, the the best part of the marvel cinematic universe because iron man is the first film right iron man is the first film and then when they get to the credits, it says. You know, based on a character with, by Stanley Larry Lieber, um, was it um, was it uh, either Kirby's first and then Don Heck? It might be Don Heck and Jack Kirby listed it like that because the person who came with the plot, Stan, the person who wrote the script, the full script, not script wrote that this dialogue, is his brother Larry Lieber, and then we have the artist, and then the person who designed it would be Kirby. So they put it out there as is same with Thor, the same where Thor, you know, Thor has has Kirby. It didn't have it didn't have um, Don Heck in that one, but it's like it had the credits the way they're supposed to be because in those characters that was the case. The Fantastic Four is different. That's a Stan and Jack thing. There's no other people. But we as as fans of cut out Stan's brother, we just tossed him out and saying he's a shill. Who just lies for Stan? He didn't do anything. He just wrote the dialogue like Stan did, and didn't have any involvement. Where we don't even—they got other creators who I always complain about. some not saying it, saying that talking about this, the dialogue meaning nothing, and it's not the case. You can't sit around here and say that this dialogue means nothing. If you can put anyone, you can't get any monkey to do that. You know, that's why Marvel would have a test and have people to get to the dialogue, make sure they can get it right, and then you know, that sort of thing. So ultimately, this is not anything negative to Kirby. He had a big hand in the Marvel universe. This should be we should be at a stage where we can accept them as co-creators. They're both not here. There's not a Bob Kane situation. you know, we have and Stan is only a big name because he was around to be in these movies. But at the same time, he was a name who person, as you said, he worked at new world. And they were people that making film but they you know the people they said there that he's doing animation right and luckily in animation they allowed him to do voiceover work that sort of thing. But nothing where he came in and said, I want to do this and they let him do it, you know he'd have to take you see how positive he was there might be a ton of projects that disagreed with what he. Follow through, and at the same time at Marvel, he had no real power. He had things he wanted to do comic-wise, but he, it had to go through the Marvel editorial, and they take an idea that he had, and then they would turn it into what they felt. And then the Stan property would be on the tail end of the being Marvel twenty ninety nine. Mark Stan's thing, which was the initial idea was on the back burner, so it's like, yeah, you know, it's what it is. This is not the most glorious period. But at the same time he deserved to be the exact job and he was always supporting always positive and then luckily they made movies and he was around for it so that's what happened you're fighting over the fact that he's in these movies in these bit parts and people like or remember Stan and they don't know that's they, they they're fan the whole point they're straights they're not going to know everything. You can't try as much as you put Kirby into the Superman cartoons and this, that and the other, people are going to sit around and say <laughs> Lennon or McCartney. And I was saying George Harris had a, a creative thing right towards the end of it where he blew up he was the they're gonna say Joe. <laughs> gonna say Lennon and McCarthy. McCartney. Sorry, not McCarthy. That's a that's something way different, but you know they're gonna go to what they can say is oh, Batman, Bob Kane. We're gonna go to this thing. They're straights. You can't expect much out of them. And at the same time, he's not taken away. Go read the origins of Marvel comics. saying he came up with the plot and then Stan drew it. Anyway, I'm getting myself all upset again. I'm no, I'm a big fan. I've only respect and admiration and ton of Kirby comic books and trades and books about Kirby here. So. You know, there's nothing negative and there's nothing wrong to be the him being a co creator with Stan. This new thing of him having to um, have be created at all is just too far gone. It's too far gone. That,
1: there's that, and then for all the stuff of Stan being in these movies for bit parts and such, I still feel Marvel does not recognize him for the importance of what he was to the company. I just feel this documentary while hey i'm happy to see it i did learn a couple of things about stanley that i didn't know it's still very light in terms of giving him I, I still think the dc comics did a much better job of watching stan than marvel comics did and all stan ever did for dc Comics was that just the Imagine series and the only reason why he did it is because marvel wouldn't give him a good contract that's the only reason why he was over there writing a DC in the first place or else he would have never been there I
4: yeah. just
1: felt that you know they did a better job of homaging, of homaging him there this is like really light and I don't know if, if it's like a business thing where they're looking at it and they're like look you know we don't want to do too much you know because we don't want to get into the we don't want to get into the point where it looks like Stan created more than he did and then we got to deal with his you know we got to deal with his hair the same way we got to deal with these curvy people at the end of the day so you know let's just you know let's make certain we do something and then just try to get and then just try to get out of here but it, the the amount of reverence that they have for stanley for me seems yeah. i mean so light like they would just love to just give him a gold watch and put him out the pasture
0: yeah no it's a thing of it's it's really a sad portion this thing where they've gotten to a point where we don't want to deal with a backlash of people saying that um that Kirby created it all and Stan took, just took the credit and did nothing. And it's just like, come on, like we're going too far here. And the hard part of it is, I don't want to get into him competing against it, his own Marvel stuff. But the thing of it is, is that you're we're you're going, we're going, the pendulum is going too far over to the other side. Yes, there was a period where everyone, me included, only knew Stan and we enjoyed the art. And then as you read and keep going, you start saying, oh yeah, Kirby had a hand in this stuff. He's uh, plotting, he's helping out. Stan even said, hey, they were drawing it however they wanted and saying, oh, great. He's saying that he's, you know, like we're both writers on it. And it's like, he did nothing. <laughs> it's like, we have to do that or if we're going to be insulting the, you know, well, I don't know, like, Ultimately, we know Stanley has a daughter, and she's not as vocal as any, you know, any of these things. And at the same time, you know, the Goodmans weren't too happy when they, you know, his son couldn't run it when the people wanted Stan to run Marvel, and they wanted and Martin Goodman wanted his son Chip. Now Marvel had been struggling with Chip, and they were happy to have him out. And carefully, you know, they did the Atlas Comics where they get offered a lot better, they offered better wages, but they went about the comic creating the wrong way. Saying oh, that,
1: that's a that's a show in itself. Good grief. Atlas comic. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's a show in itself. We got to, I mean, yeah, we got to, yeah, we got to do that one of these days. <laughs> so if you look at,
0: look at that, you can't, you just, you're spending too much time, because I was there, and I was like, at some point, being like, you know, man, um, and you can see in oh. the, in the essentials, in the last one, the essentials, they started putting as, um you know, cold, like a co and thing, Stan and Jack in the Fantastic World, but not for Thor for some reason, but they were putting that in there, but then at the same time, when you go to the comics journal where Kirby said that he did everything, it's like, well, Stan didn't say that Jack didn't do any, everything, that he did it all himself, so, you know, then I have to, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit around here. the same thing people complain about Stan. We're just going to allow Kirby to do that at the same time and say, yeah, his memory was bad, but we don't allow for Stan to have a bad memory and say, I created this. He has to say, I created this with 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 Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, (laughs) uh, uh, Dick Ayers, uh, Don Heck. I got to say all the names every time. Like, no one's going to be, you're going to sit there like this, you're a little. um, uh, Excuse me, you're a little indecisive, huh? You like why did you wanted to just say you did it. Stop being humble, that sort of thing. So nobody cares. But anyway, that's it. Any other last words? We're gonna close this one out. It's too emotional. Hey, rest, in, rest
1: in peace to both those guys. Stanley, yes. Jack, Kirby, you guys are the greatest. Love everything that you guys did together and separately for the most part. Very I have very few criticisms. Uh it always will mean a lot, you know, to the creative guys who ever lived. And I wish more people would just focus on that. <laughs>
0: All right, spinner rack
1: out.